Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins is out today. He will be back tomorrow. We got a lot of doozies from Corinne Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Glass ceiling breaker. Yes. <laughs> well, the the first complete idiot to ever be the White House press secretary. Well, that, that's, that's the business part. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, man. She's had some doozies in the last couple of weeks, and that's saying something yeah. for her. Yeah. Well, the stock market is getting hammered, and that is continuing today. Uh, because of growing fears of a bad recession. Uh, it's like investors have realized that the Fed is not going to pivot. They're going to keep raising interest rates to try to cool off inflation, and that means cooling off spending and investments because it's mm-hmm. more expensive to borrow money. And that means, well, negative growth. That means we are not going to be in a position where the United States economy is going to grow. Um, and so now investors are getting that message loud and clear uh, but the White House wants you to focus on the unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre. What? The stock market, uh, as you've heard us say many times, is just one measure of the economy that, uh, 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 that shows how the economy is doing. And so uh, we are watching, always watching uh, these different indicators closely, uh, including the stock market. It's also important to look at what's happening on Main Street. This is something that... We think is important. If you would have been looking at indicators yeah. from the get-go when you took over, we wouldn't be in this mess. Right. Because you wouldn't have printed money and gave it away. We think is important, as you've heard us talk about, uh, to also look at. We have one of the strongest job markets on record, a 3.7 unemployment rate, and we've created 10 million new jobs uh, in the president's uh, 19 months in office. More people are looking for work, and we think those indicators are important as well. They're not. And, and and riddle me this. What do you think is going to happen when businesses realize that they cannot expand their operations because of inflation and because in order to expand, you usually have to take out some sort of loan, and that has become cost prohibitive? What do you think happens to that shiny unemployment rate? Of course. Yeah, dude, they just keep going back to this. Yeah. When we go further and further south, yeah, but, but the job market and jobs. Yeah. And jobs. All I can think in my head, and I'm I'm sorry for the detour early on, it reminds me of a record label in the early 90s releasing a single, like the MC Hammer follow-up to the big album, <laughs> yeah. which was, what, too legit to quit? Something, whatever it was, and it's not doing very well. Release it again. Just keep <laughs> releasing it over and over and over. And, and people are saying, but it doesn't work. It's not going to sell like Hammer Don't Hurt Him. This isn't the same thing. <laughs> Just keep releasing it. The job market's good. I know we're going down the tank. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Well, because the unemployment rate is basically the one bright spot they can look at. And again, if you look into the numbers as we have, this is not the same as the low unemployment rate under Donald Trump. You have a lot of people who are taking out extra jobs. When you look at the divorce between part-time jobs and full-time employment, full-time employment's going down while part-time employment is going up. 
it is not as rosy of a picture as they want to as they want to make it seem. And then you add on top of that when all wage gains are being wiped out and then some, the job numbers don't matter when you're having to take out a credit card to pay for groceries. The fact that you have a job isn't necessarily this big comfort, okay? No. Can't pay it. I dare say you can't touch this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Jen Psaki. Uh, you know what? She's actually telling the truth here. Yeah, well, now she works for NBC. Uh, she is no longer the White House press secretary. Uh, she was part of the panel on Meet the Press yesterday and admitted that her former boss is an anchor on the Democratic Party heading into the midterm elections. Oh, that's true. Um, if it is a referendum on the president, they will lose, and they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats, I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman right. because that's where they see his vulnerability. Well, that's part of his vulnerability. Yeah. With that particular individual. Yeah. He has other issues as well. That massive stroke doesn't help. It does not. Um, and you'll see ad after ad from the Democrats talking about abortion. Mm -hmm. That's really the only issue where they've gained at all. Yeah. And part of that is, and at least in my opinion, is that the Republicans have let Democrats position them on that issue. Oh, yeah. They really have. Which is something the Republicans have shot themselves in the foot over time and time and time again of letting someone else define your position. Um, but we'll get to more on that a little bit later. You know, when you're talking about crime, did you see some of the stats that are out there from some of the latest polling? The Trafalgar Group, which is usually pretty good as far as the pollsters go, that the majority of Americans felt safer under Trump than Biden. 68%, what, 67.9% reported feeling less safe. That's a big number. Oh, sure it is, yeah. Because you're not just talking about people in bigger cities there. That's across the board. So, wow, only 27.1% reported feeling as safe today as they did two years ago. And again, most people see through the BS. It's because of what Democrats have done with crime, especially in big cities, whether that's, you know, the DAs or the local defund the police movement, getting more cops off the street, making it almost impossible for a cop to want to go to work every day so they find a job somewhere else. I mean, it all goes together to where we've seen the crime numbers. So that's going to be a big loser. There's a, you know, when you get into the polling, Democrats are losing on nearly every issue. So, yeah. Right now, again, they're talking about a big red wave like they were a few months ago. Yeah. Like you almost get this sense that for a couple of weeks, at least from legacy media, they were saying, you know, the Democrats are going to be very competitive here. They've evened it up. From the latest polling now, it doesn't seem to be so much. No, I, I don't think so. And, and usually, you know, it, it is around late August, early September when you have what is affectionately known in the uh, political science realm as the bedwetting stage. <laughs> this is where, you know, the, the party that probably will really do very well because the primaries have been over, because the election is now very, very close, a couple months out, two, three months out. 
you know, the polling usually does tighten up quite a bit. And then, uh-huh. it, you know, in, in competitive races, sure. I mean, individual races, it could tighten even more. But you start to really get a fuller picture after the initial shock of the primary season wears out. And usually, yeah. it again, the doom and gloom predictions wind up looking like you just were wetting the bed. Yeah. <laughs> the bedwetters. Yes. You like to talk about the bedwetters a lot in politics. It <laughs> yeah. always cracks me up. Yeah. Um, what was Biden saying about assault weapons? Speaking oh, of crime and people defending themselves, man, and he, bedwetting. He had enough. <laughs> well, he just he goes in his depends like a good boy. Doctor <laughs> Jill changes his diaper. Uh, Joe Biden had another weird moment during an event. He started talking about gun control, and he actually sounded like he was uh, well defending the purchasing and free trade of so-called assault weapons. Really? Yeah. What in God's name do you need? <laughs> An assault weapon for it's an assault weapon designed to kill people, to defend America, to defend people. But folks, look, it's just we just we're just it's way out of hand. I've taken on the RNA and I beat them before. Oh, okay, right, let's go back to the key part of that. Yeah. What an assault weapon for it's an assault weapon designed to kill people, yeah. to defend America, to defend people. Yeah, that's why you see. Or you've seen gun sales go through the roof the last few years, like setting records. Mm-hmm. And again, you know the stats on this, David. Who has grown the biggest percentage of gun buyers as far as by demographic and by, race? By demographics, I mean, it's kind of a dead heat between Asian Americans mm-hmm. and uh, African American women. And I think we all know why. Yeah. Because, because of the crime. Right, because of crime. And, and it, that's it, period. And, you know, whenever Democrats, like we just heard Jen Psaki say, you know, whenever they talk about crime, they make it seem like Republicans are just sort of making something up. But the numbers that are surrounding uh, what the Republicans are making an issue out of don't lie. Okay, when you have people who had never bought a gun before suddenly in their 40s saying, you know what, I'm going to buy a gun and learn how to use it. That's not because, like, Fox News or some focus group for the Republican <laughs> Party told them that. It's because they're seeing what's happening in their town. Of course. Yes. And so the old... But, folks, look, it's just, it's just, we're just, it's way out of hand. What's way out of hand? People protecting themselves? Right. <laughs> yes. Lay down and take it like a good American. Let the criminals just run right through your house and take what they want. You have enough. Give a little. What the <laughs> hell is he talking about? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, there's a lot to get to. Um, Gavin Newsom told the truth when he said, I worry more about DeSantis than Trump. I bet he does. Because you know Gavin Newsom is going to run. And a Russian executive all of a sudden drowned. You don't say Putin up to his own tricks again. And much more coming up right here. Yeah. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins is out today. He will be back tomorrow. So Gavin Newsom's going to run for president. You know that. Biden's not going to run again. Nobody wants him. No. So Newsom's already setting it up, and he started talking about DeSantis again. It seems like he is occupied with DeSantis a lot in his brain. Well, yeah, because that seems to be uh, one of the likelier matchups in 2024. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, though, I thought he gave away the game a little bit because, remember, the criticism of Trump isn't just about Trump. It's about all uh, conservative politicians and voters. And the Democratic Party is trying to make them all out to be Hitler. 
Yes, they are. The problem with calling a guy like Trump Hitler for four years is that you can't be like, yeah, but, 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 but DeSantis is more Hitlery. But they're they're trying, they're trying their best. Uh, this was during an interview at the Texas Tribune Festival. He said, "Hey, you know, Trump, Donald Trump is a concern, but not my biggest concern." All right. Hmm. I worry about Trump. Uh, worry about Trumpism. I worry more about Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I worry about Ron DeSantis. Why is that? He, uh, he's a bully. Oh, boy. He threatened the Special Olympics with $27 million in fines. <laughs> <laughs> you bring- uh, yes. Yeah. I feel like any time someone throws that out there, you also have to say he was fighting for the athletes who could not or did not want to get this COVID vaccine that doesn't stop you from getting or spreading the coronavirus. Correct. There was a vaccine mandate, and he said, no. We're not doing this. If you want the Special Olympics in the state of Florida, you have to drop the mandate. That's not being a bully. That's protecting people's bodily autonomy. And by the way, Mr. Newsom, one that was all about the vaccine mandates. Yeah. Know that that's coming back to bite you in a big way. Heck yeah. Big way. You guys, I mean, Abbott, Abbott is light years ahead in policy than DeSantis, but DeSantis weaponized it next level. (laughs) So, so that's the whole thing. DeSantis is, he scares me. Yeah. Well, isn't that part of the whole strategy, I suppose, right now when we're hearing everything from the left? These MAGA Republicans yeah. uh, you know, scare the MAGA, 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 MAGA. Yeah. And so then they can switch if it doesn't happen to be Trump that is the candidate in 24, and it is DeSantis. Well, he's another MAGA guy. Yeah. Oh, easily, yeah. That, but but that's the the logical progression. That is, the, and it's been ramping up over the last twenty years or so. Because <clears throat> remember, first it was like the neocons, and then it was the Tea Party, and then it's you know now it's like these evil MAGA Republicans. It keeps ramping up more and more. I don't know how many times I've heard fill in the blank with any Republican candidate. This person is an existential threat to the United States of America. Right. And it's never been true. Well, no. But here we are. No, but that's how you keep getting elected if yeah. you're on the left. Yeah. Because it's never your own policy. Oh, yeah. It's not your own. I mean, you look at your track record. Look at the cities in the United States run by the far left. Decimated. Yeah. In, in terrible shape. Is there one story of a big city run by the left for a decade? They could say, look at all the successes here and crime is down. The schools are doing well. You can't find it. No. So, I mean, it's the same sort of tactics, and some people are just going to fall for that. Yeah. I don't know if you happen to hear this, because there's, you know, all the talk of Putin backed into a corner, possible nukes, who knows what's going to happen there. And you had the Secretary of State blinking on 60 Minutes last night, who still looks as scared as ever, <laughs> not one that, you know, commands respect. Um, but another story out of Russia, and it's another one of these executives that just happened to die. Wow. Out of nowhere. Mm. This person fell into the sea and then drowned. According to local media in the Russian Far East city of Vladivostok, Ivan Petrin, the aviation director of Far East and Arctic Development Company, was sailing near the Russian island on September 10th, mm-hmm. 
and apparently fell overboard from the boat while drunk. Uh-huh. That's what they're saying. Uh huh. And then his body was found washed ashore 100 miles uh, from there after a two-day search. A couple days before his death, he had attended the Eastern Economic Forum in the city where he gave a speech on transportation. Apparently, the forum focused on the economic development of Russia's energy and mineral-rich Far East. Mm -hmm. Russia's doing very well with their energy right now. Uh, Putin was also at that summit on September 7th. The weird thing about this one is that Petrin, known as Putin's guy in the region, was 39. And everybody's like, well, this is unusual because we thought he was like in the good graces of Putin. Mm-hmm. But he's also not the first executive of the company to have died mysteriously. Really? Right. <laughs> in February, the company's 43-year-old chief executive, Igor Nosov, died of a stroke. According to Russian economic daily RBC, he fell ill after learning of his dismissal from the company at a meeting and died shortly thereafter. <laughs> but they didn't mention the reason for his dismissal. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I assume in Russia, especially when you're talking about energy, oil and gas and whatnot, uh, termination means something very different in the HR office. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much good luck in your future endeavors. I don't know what if happened. If you ever get there. Guy was on a guy was on a boat. He was drinking a little bit. He's out sailing. And there was also a guy who happened to have a baseball bat on board. Weird. <laughs> well, it's crazy. <laughs> Speaking of transportation, did you see someone hacked into the PA system of an American Airlines flight from L.A. to Dallas? Yeah. Have you already heard this? <laughs> I saw that over the weekend, yeah. And the guy hacks in and then won't stop making the weird moaning and grunting sounds? Mm-hmm. As people said in the story, it was like half pleasure, half pain. And then you hear a flight attendant get on and apologize yeah. for it. But the audio of it's like this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we realize there is an extremely irritating sound coming over the public announcements. The flight deck is trying to troubleshoot, trying to turn it off. So- <laughs> They're trying to yeah. turn it off. We're sorry about that. Can we figure out how to turn it off. Thank you. Chuck Todd is shocked that Republicans might impeach Biden. Really? That and much more coming up. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins is out today. He will be back tomorrow. Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd. Oh, yeah. He's a sleeping son of a bitch, I'll tell you. Well, he got up Sunday morning uh, for the usual NBC show that he does every Sunday. Well, at least he's still doing it for now. And he seems shocked by something, David. Yeah, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press is shocked, shocked, I tell you, to learn that Republicans might impeach Joe Biden if they take control of the House of Representatives. Uh, This is from an interview he did with uh, South Carolina Republican Representative Nancy Mace. Okay. you expect... An impeachment vote against President Biden if Republicans take over the House? I believe there's a lot of pressure on Republicans to have that vote, to put that that legislation forward and to have that vote. I think that is uh, something that some folks are considering. Wow. I I can't get over the first thing you said, which you said it's very likely that we're going to see impeachment (laughs) votes. I mean, is this good for the Republican Party that the first, you know, basically they take over the House and then hold impeachment votes on Biden? (laughs) 
<laughs> what does this guy do for a living? <laughs> I know. What does he do? Well, well look, I mean, I, again, I, I would caution anybody against just running into an impeachment just because, right? But you can look at the border crisis and say that he has failed his basic duty, which is to defend America's sovereignty. Absolutely. We have massive issues because he hasn't secured the border. Yeah. But, but I'm also laughing at Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd because I, I'm just going in the Wayback Machine here and I'm thinking, how could you be shocked? I mean, imagine having a political party that literally ran campaigns based off of a plan to impeach a president for something. <laughs> we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. <laughs> Today I say impeach 45! <laughs> I think we have to run with however we unify. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. This is exactly what the framers intended the impeachment power to be used for. <laughs> we have our options. We have arrows in our quiver. But to be clear, you're not ruling anything out. Good morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> that weird thing. Yeah, oh. all Democrats. I mean, actually campaigning on the idea that they were going to impeach Donald Trump. We're just going to find something to impeach him for. And then what did they impeach him for? The phone call to Ukraine. Yes. That was it. Yep. I would love to see a poll today if you went around the country and say, remember the first time Trump got impeached? Do you remember what it was for? I will bet you more than half can't say uh, something. It was like, was it a phone call? <laughs> they couldn't even tell you. With Biden, it would be simple. He didn't do his job. We let millions of people come through the southern border. We don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. It's a massive problem. You probably saw the report that Venezuela is sending criminals to the border. Yeah. That the Venezuelan president, Duro, is emptying its prisons and sending criminals to the border. Yep. And if you're Venezuela, why wouldn't you? It's wide open. Get rid of these people. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be paying for them in the prison. Send them over there. They'll let them in. Yeah. Have them deal with it. They're not our friends anyway. Holy smokes, man. And so now congressional Republicans are saying, hey, we want this report because the report from the Department of Homeland Security was leaked. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like, you know, Mayorkas, the head of the department, came out and said, hey, we got an issue here. That wasn't it at all. Last I heard from Mayorkas was... Um, the border the border is secure. Secure? Yes. It is. I'm not doing anything because this is what we want. We want more <laughs> illegals coming through. <laughs> You know, or Kamala Harris. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. It doesn't include ours because it's not a priority. We don't do anything to secure the border. And what was that line of nonsense from Jean-Pierre? That we do more for border security than the Republicans. You couldn't even finish the wall. Right. Wasn't that her deal? Which largely just tried to build a wall, an ineffective wall, uh, along the border and couldn't even finish that in four years. Uh, we're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border and could be doing even more if Republicans would stop their obstruction. Yeah. Oh, audio clip you missed on Friday. Yes. Chris Magnus, Biden's appointee to the uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Okay. Hear what he said while uh, in El Paso? Congress really needs to take action. But I think uh, people across the country should know that it's not chaos here. <laughs> it's not chaos at the border. What are you talking about? <laughs> Eagle Pass? Yeah. 
Are you kidding me? What are we blind? Don't believe your lying eyes. Right. What you see is not happening. Right. Everything's upside down. Don't believe it. No, I saw it. <laughs> and we've seen the reports. That's insane. And now several informants confirming that many of the Venezuelan migrants crossing the southern border are convicts. Golly, man. We're going to be paying for this for a long, long time. Oh, sure we are. And again, what do we hear from all that? Well, we're doing more than Trump. He couldn't even finish the wall. You had it. You had the materials. You're letting it rust. Yep. And you're still doing that. It is. That that part is just so frustrating. Okay. What do you get to? Oh, man. I just had a clip there from Karine Jean-Pierre. Among other things, we talked about the midterms coming up. One place where Democrats feel like they have an upper hand on the GOP is when it comes to abortion. Mm-hmm. Because they're out there with the talking points of, uh, Republicans want to take it way back. They want to outlaw abortion everywhere. Mm-hmm. And just leave it at that. Because you had Lindsey Graham with the 15-week national ban, right? Yeah. And there have been different Republicans saying that was a good move or that was not such a good move. Going back and forth whether that was the right strategy or not. But if nothing else, I think the attempt was to change the conversation. To to pin down Democrats of when do you want to see it illegal? Are you saying abortion up until birth? Are you saying that? Because you know from the polling, the American people are very squishy about that. And where does it break down? Is it right about 12, 15 weeks, somewhere in there? Yeah, usually 12 to 15 weeks. Yeah. Okay. So with all of that, Peter Ducey tries to nail down Corinne Jean-Pierre and Joe Biden on this issue to say, well, when, when would it be okay? She just will not answer the question. And I suppose that you're trained to do this, but it's so frustrating to listen to how this goes on and on. Thanks, Green. Following up on your uh, topper, does President Biden favor any limits on abortion? We've been very, very clear here. Um, No, you haven't. Since you're talking about my topper, I was talking specifically about Senator Lindsey Graham. And and your position on his plan is clear. 15 weeks is unacceptable. I was was speaking directly to what Republicans are trying to do. They are calling calling for a national ban, uh, which takes us backwards. uh, Which will, will, it's a national ban, which will take us backwards. And will put, put at risk the health of women. And here's the thing about this, Peter. It's not just national ban on abortion. Okay. It's not just the 15 weeks. It's not just that. Okay. Now check it, David. We're talking about uh, privacy. We're talking about contraception. We're talking about marriage. What? No, not. No, you're not. If you're talking specifically about Lindsey Graham's bill, it doesn't have anything to do with contraception or nope. certainly not marriage. Nope. No. She's trying to bring all of these issues together with her talking points that don't make any sense in this context. Well, they don't make any sense anyway. So the deuce is going to push her on this. That is what uh, extreme Republican officials are trying to do. That's what we're speaking to. I'm not going to get into specifics here. I'm just going to lay out what what they have said that they're going to do. Okay. And finally, someone says it what we've said for so long why not get into specifics right 
when is it okay to say, all right, we don't want to see any abortions past this point, mm-hmm. unless we're talking about the health of the mother, you know, fill in the blanks. And here he goes. Why not get into specifics? The Republicans are saying we don't want abortion after 15 weeks. Why can't you say how many weeks a president so, thinks So, as you know, as you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy put out the GOP agenda. I'm not asking no, about Kevin McCarthy. I'm, I'm asking I'm about Joe Biden and his I am, I am on abortion. How Peter, many weeks? Peter, I'm answering your question. What Republicans are trying to do? She won't answer the question. No. No, they do you can't. want to go? It goes on for, dude. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It goes on for another minute. She'll never answer it. Right. Well, because they can't, because they know that they are completely underwater. But if they came out with any sort of timetable, let's say they said 20 weeks, we're going to ban it at 20 weeks. We would be supportive of that bill. Mm-hmm. They know that there is a core group of their constituency that would never vote for them again. And it's not a huge majority, but you know, it's not even a majority. It's not even close to a majority. But it's enough that they realize that that would cost them big time in the midterm. So, so I mean, I, I think it is important to ask those questions. I mean, I would rephrase Always. it, not, not to just air check uh, uh, Peter Ducey, but I would say, okay, what bill would the president sign? That's a good question. You used to do that. I know you don't want to go back to it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Van Camp's days of being the news reporter and asking the questions is over. Yeah. Um, but to, to to wrap where she was trying to go, when majority of Americans do not want that, we are all covering I, the Republican okay. plan. I'm just. Go oh, ahead, I can't go ahead. say how many weeks for Biden. But no, no. Go ahead. I answered. I answered your question. She didn't answer it. I did. Why can't you say? Go ahead, Courtney. I wanted to ask you. And then she just moves on. No, they can't. They don't want to. No. No, they do not. Okay, so we have news on a climate change fanatic. Yeah, this is some great audio. A uh, New Zealand climate change activist, she's a young lady, uh, got embarrassed during an interview. Izzy Cook is her name. She helped organize a school strike for climate change, one of these Greta Thunberg types, you know. Uh, And she was talking about the strike on a show called Wellington Mornings, a radio program. The host... Uh, asked her about the idea of travel restrictions to cut down on emissions because that had been floated out there. Like, if you want to fly from point A to point B, you've got to prove to the government you have a good reason to go. Uh, Yeah, because we've heard all sorts of numbers. How many cars they would have to drive this amount? You know, it's the same. One one jet going from A to B is a lot of what's terrible for the environment. Am I allowed to go to Fiji? Is that necessary? In the current climate crisis, I don't think that that's necessary. When was the last time you were on a plane? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe a few months ago, to be honest. Where'd you go? Fiji. Izzy! (laughs) Izzy! Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) No, no, you can't go to Fiji, not in the current climate crisis. Where'd you go, Fiji? Oh, my goodness. This is unbelievable. The way she says it, too. She knows she's owned. Fiji. Fiji. Izzy. (laughs) Izzy. Don't you care about the climate, Izzy? Of course I care about the climate. Not enough. You went to... (laughs) You went to Fiji. (laughs) Izzy. Come on, mate. Are you still there? It is pretty ironic, but to be honest, it's not really a trip that I wanted to go on, but I can't really get out of it. Why'd you go? 
Why'd you go? My parents wanted to go. Izzy! I didn't want to go. How are you embarrassed that your parents did that to the planet and then forced you to do it as well? Oh, this is the best. <laughs> this is incredible. Thank you, David, for bringing this. Yeah. I'm having so much fun right now. Go on. Of course I'm not embarrassed. Did you have Did a you terrible have a... time? Not really. I didn't have <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> he just keeps that... saying, mate. You can't be serious. That is the exact way to handle these lunatics, right? Just just yes, laugh it, at them because they're yes, silly. Yes, it is. Well, I didn't want to go. They made me. My parents <laughs> made but me I had a great go. Time. <laughs> That's so awesome. Did you hear what Elon Musk is doing with Iran? Oh, this is something. That much more coming up, Brady. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. That's David Van Camp, the Millennial. And the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins, out today and back tomorrow. You know, we hear a lot in the United States about the war on women, that Mm -hmm. Republicans are trying to take women backward. A 15-week abortion ban, stripping their rights away. It's it's this never-ending war on the ladies. Then you go over to Iran, where you have this 22-year-old journalist that was killed for violating the country's dress code, specifically for wearing her hijab incorrectly. Yeah. What was exactly incorrectly, David? Um, I'm not sure. Just not quite the right way. I guess. I guess not. Yeah. That's so pretty after much the that, same. man, there, there's like there's rioting going on. Yeah. The people out in the streets. So Ron's like, okay, we're taking away internet privileges. Mm-hmm. No internet. Elon Musk says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and activate my Starlink satellite internet service, mm-hmm. so you can hop online and coordinate where you want to protest. Yeah. That is hilarious. Real-life Tony Stark to the rescue. <laughs> I mean, really. No, it's great. I mean, because you need to see the images of what, what these women are going through. And, and boy, I, I think it's really sad that you've had multiple lefties like Joy Behar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, trying to compare what the women in Iran are going through to the fight over abortion in the United States. Oh, my like, goodness. Talk, talk to a lot of the women in Iran about what their thoughts are on abortion. Wow. You, you, you'd actually get pretty surprised, I think. I think you're probably right about that. That is really interesting. And did you just have a news update on something? Oh, it's just really sad at our southern border. Remember, we've heard the border is secure. There's no chaos there. Uh, county medical examiner in Laredo, Texas... Uh, Webb County Medical Examiner's Office, uh, well, can't take any more uh, migrant cases. The morgue can't because they're oh, full. Gosh. You know, that, that, that's the thing that gets lost in the shuffle is that, you know, having open borders isn't just a danger to our sovereignty, to our national security, but it is a danger for all the people who are told they can get into the United States. We've had way too many people dying at the border. And the answer is not to just start letting more people in. The answer, the most loving thing you can do, is make it clear, you get here, you're going to be sent back. You know what, man? If the news organizations that claim they're always fighting for truth, Mm -hmm. and you take your CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, and they all did a week-long series in the morning on what actually happens to women trying to cross the border and what they go through. Yeah. With the human traffickers and the cartels, there would probably be protests in the streets saying, Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. I know if you're like the average American, you're down $4,200 than before Biden took office Mm -hmm. per year. You're going backwards. Okay. But hey, stop thinking about yourself so much. Okay. Just know we've seen massive economic gains. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this one works out. Someone forgot to carry the one, I think. Uh, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, says Biden wants to tackle inflation, but then tried to make the argument that great things are happening in the economy. The average person has lost 4200 per year. Mm-hmm. That's everyone together. That's massive losses. No, no but, th- but things are going great, Jamie. Okay. We're doing everything that we can to give the American public a little bit more breathing room without sacrificing all of the historic gains that we made uh, this past year and life-changing economics gains this country has made over uh, the last 19 months, this past year, year and a half. Life-changing? Yeah. Well, I mean, bad things can be life-changing, too. (laughs) Yeah, but she's talking about it in the positive. (laughs) What are you talking about? Life-changing. Life-changing means you can live a certain lifestyle that you couldn't before. Yeah. Or give your kids opportunities they didn't have before. People have been going in the opposite direction. Do you mean to tell me you think she's lying here? I, uh, yes, I, I do believe that she is lying there. Yes. I mean, I understand every White House press secretary is going to lie. Mm-hmm. And I also know that you're going to cherry pick any sort of statistics to make yourself look good. But I don't know that there are any. No. I mean that when she says historic gains, life changing for people. Can you give examples? What are you talking about? Uh, I can't find an example. OK. Of that, honestly. It, it Dude, I mean, even even CNN had to fact check President Biden over the weekend because at a at a campaign stop with teachers union, uh, with a teachers union, I should say, uh, he said that the average cost of a gallon of gas was two ninety nine in the country, and it's like no, no, actually, it's like three seventy five. I mean, that's, are you kidding? Even CNN brought out the fact checkers for that one. Okay, but, well, West Virginia. 309 to Walmart. So it's driving all over the place over the last four days. That was a beautiful drive, by the way. But it's like, okay, while we're here, we're getting gas. Absolutely. Just start driving to West Virginia to get gas. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think that's probably a great plan economically, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's very pretty. There's no doubt about it. Um, But no, it's not the average across the United States. No, No. Holy smokes. Okay, so beyond the gains. So let's stick to those talking points. Oh, and if you supported uh, Trump, you're like Hitler? Yeah. Yeah, uh, 2016 Democratic presidential candidate and famous election denier Hillary Clinton trotted out that old classic that Trump is Hitler. And if you support him or if you go to his rallies, my goodness, you basically are a Nazi. This was at the Texas Tribune Festival. 
Okay, I saw this headline. I have not heard this actual clip from her yet. This ought to be good. I remember as a as a young student, here we go, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour, and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? By the way, now it's not just if you do the OK symbol, which for my entire life until like three years ago just meant OK. Correct. But, you know, now now it means you're sending a secret hand signal to white supremacist organizations. Now, if you raise your hand at all, you're basically like the Hitler youth. Okay, I'll go ahead and finish out this clip and then we'll we'll get to the takes. So there is a uh, real pressure. And I think I think it is fair to say we're in a struggle between democracy and autocracy. Okay. Um. You've said many times, David, when you're going to the comparison of Hitler, mm-hmm. you ought to check yourself. Well, it's really think about it. Take a breath, count to 10 and don't. Right. Okay. Do we need to go over all of the history of Nazi Germany to talk about why that's such an awful take? I suppose it works on some people because it was some sort of dynamic leader. And it kind of it kind of stops there. I mean, you're talking about pitting people against each other for a long time, and talking about certain people just being, you know, inherently evil and bad for mankind. Mm-hmm. Which political party does that? Seriously. Well, more often, with an air of seriousness, it 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 has been, especially recently, the Democratic Party. Yes, it is. As far as I can tell, Republicans, conservatives are like, I don't care really uh, what your worldview is. You're welcome here as long as you love the country, you want to work hard. We all have this big tent here. Come on in. You love the Constitution? You're part of this. It's not so much the same way with the Democratic Party. You're seeing it play out. Do you see... Over in Europe, like what's going on with elections right now? Everything seems to be going to the right. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, Italy just had a uh, an election, and the new prime minister is going to be, well, the first woman to that's be elected. Right. Which is like, that's a glass ceiling moment, but the media hates her because they want to say that she's a fascist. Oh, See? Yep. It's the same BS. You know, for months... I should wait till Scott's here to actually say this, I guess. It's just off the top of my head. Where every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I really do believe there's hope out there because I yeah. think people are starting to figure it out, especially independents. People that can sway an election one way or another, they're figuring out what's really going on. Yeah. And they're turning from it. And usually I get Robbins go, well, I don't see it. <laughs> We're doomed. But I really do believe that. And I'm hopeful after seeing those results going on. Yeah. Um, in Europe right now. What was the deal with Abbott's campaign, the volunteers attack? Oh, yeah. Two volunteers for Texas Governor Greg Abbott's reelection campaign were assaulted 
while knocking on doors in a Houston suburb, uh, Humble is the town where this happened, uh, a guy chased the two volunteers through a neighborhood, ripped off the side view mirrors of the car they were in, and then tried to pull them out of the vehicle. Wow. You know, and, and here's the thing. You hear this, you hear the tragic story out of McHenry, North Dakota, where uh, an 18-year-old was mowed down because he was allegedly an extremist Republican, got right. drunk and then killed him. Yes. Uh, you look at all of the attacks on the uh, pregnancy resource centers that have happened after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yep. And yet we keep hearing the number one domestic terror threat is like MAGA Republicans and white supremacists. Right. Okay. That makes sense. You know, Even I, though we seemingly have state-sponsored news that is our legacy media yeah. that fills people with a bunch of BS. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right, well, I think, you know, you, you look at the body of work from media, and I know that a lot of left-wing media likes to talk about how dangerous Tucker Carlson is and all of that, all that nonsense, and Fox News primetime, right-wing radio, conservative news talk, whatever you want to call it, is okay. like radicalizing people all the time. I'm sorry, but the president of the United States got in front of the nation and said that, said that me, you, people yep. in the audience who voted for Donald Trump were an existential threat to this country. And you're starting to see this play out more and more in the streets. You know, they talked for a long time about Trump, you know, being this radicalizing force and, oh, my gosh, his supporters are so dangerous. Look in the freaking mirror because your guy, this senile old fool is starting to inspire actual, literal domestic terror attacks. Yes. It's hard to argue against that. It really is. You know, man, trying to drag people out of cars in Texas? Yeah. Wow. Now, I know it's a weird sort of transition to go from that story, because if I told you right now, there was a guy standing outside another guy's car and just waylaying on him, punching him. Yeah. That wouldn't be funny at all. Uh No. But somehow in this case it is. Okay. Okay. We're talking NASCAR. We're talking Martinsville Speedway in Virginia over the weekend. Oh, man. Short track. All right. Andrew Grady. Mm-hmm. Okay. He felt like Davey Callahan just dive-bombed him and took him out of the race, and mm -hmm. he was not happy about it. Easy to do at Martinsville. There's not a lot of space there. Well, and Andrew would say he is the superior driver, and you got this one of these guys like Davey Callahan doesn't know what he's doing. So sure enough, afterward, he's, like, coming right over to the car, and he just starts, like, waylaying punch after punch inside. Mm -hmm. The announcers catch up with him shortly after. This is what he had to say. In the day, we uh, were really, really good. The car was really fast. But, man, you get, you get these dumbasses that come in here and run with us, and they have no business running a lay model, much less a lawnmower. <laughs> okay. Did you catch all that? Yeah. All right, just want to make sure you can understand what he was saying. <laughs> Had a fast car, but you get these dumb, you yeah, know. these guys that can, yeah. <laughs> So then, what about the punching? He addresses that. I mean, he, he wasn't close. He dive-bombed me. He hooked me. He, he wrecked Brandon Pierce in the process. And I wanted to talk to him, and he flipped me off. So I started Mike Tyson in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro, but Rubin's racing, all right? I started Mike Tyson in his head. Yes. So I started Mike Tyson in his head. I mean, 
you're in a big boy sport. When you recommend, you can take a grown man ass whipping. That's how I feel. Yes, sir. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know there was a lot of great NFL action, everything else yesterday, but if there was one clip that I was laughing at the most. You're in a big boy sport. When you recommend, you can take a grown man ass whipping. That's how I feel. The rules of NASCAR. All right. News update, and Nancy Pelosi gets booed next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. So Nancy Pelosi was booed at the Global Citizen Concert in New York City over the weekend. Wow. Her different audio. A lot of it is from people on cell phones. Yeah. So you can kind of hear her talking in the distance, and then you can hear the booing. She comes up there. Ooh. Right. Well, I bet that was a surprise for her, don't you suppose? Oh, I, I don't know. I think she knows that she's queen of the damned and, you know. Doesn't really care. Does anyone really cheer in hell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds like a Pink Floyd lyric. <laughs> Like contemplating things in life. Does anyone really cheer in hell? They always boo the queen of the damned because nobody <laughs> cheers in hell. I don't know, man. Uh, just thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I see that uh, with this, especially this story, you've covered it several times. John Fetterman, who's running for Senate yeah. in Pennsylvania, um, covered up a tattoo. Mm-hmm. There's a report. It's an eye-raising you know, tattoo. I'm like, what? What is it that he reportedly had a, t- a tattoo on his forearm reading, I will make you hurt? And then he concealed it it's... in a filled-in rectangle. Oh, is that what it is that's on yeah. his arm then? Okay. It was covered sometime before his first Senate run in 2015. Okay. But a feature apparently published by Rolling Stone in 2009 confirmed the wording of the tattoo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was from the Nine Inch Nail song, Hurt. Yeah. What a poser. <laughs> that dude. This guy who's, who was on an allowance from his mom and dad until he was almost 50. Talking about standing shoulder to shoulder with the working man. He really is just the world's biggest poser. Yeah. He, he said he also had tattoos listing every murder that occurred in Braddock, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where he was the mayor yeah. during his tenure, did he have a? Did he add tattoos of the uh, names of the black men he held at gunpoint? Apparently not, at least according to this Rolling Stone feature uh, from that, years that, ago. That's a true story. I mean, there was a he thought he yeah. heard gunshots and he grabbed his twenty gauge shotgun and ran down an innocent black man and held him at gunpoint. Yeah, it seems rather problematic to me, sir. That one doesn't make national media so much. That no. story. But when he was asked about that tattoo at the time and the tattoos listing every murder that had occurred in that town, he said, that's what it does to me. It's very personal. I knew that would send you over the edge. So you use murder victims to try to make some sort of point, to try to win brownie points from Rolling Stone magazine? What a pathetic loser this guy is. What a pathetic magazine to actually have it work on you. (laughs) And actually do the feature. Oh, yeah. He's one of the good guys. But, but what did you do about the murder victims? What did you do about the crime? Well, nothing. But I did the work, and I confronted my own <laughs> complicitness and white supremacy. And I wept. Yes. 
invented. Well, well, did you hear the new clip that he that's making the rounds now? I have not heard it. Fetterman, the other thing is, aside from being just a spoiled brat, trust fund kid, loser, uh, he had a massive stroke earlier this year. That, right. That's not a statement on his character. A stroke can happen to anyone, and it's devastating. But he really has no business going to the United States Senate right now because he can't really get a, get a word out. So I guess he's in the Philadelphia area, or at least in uh, uh, eastern Pennsylvania, and he was trying to do some good old-fashioned pandering, and we see the effects of the stroke again uh, coming around here. And the Eagles are so much better than the Eagles! No, no. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. I think he meant to say Steelers. Got it. But even then, that's some pandering nonsense because he's from the Pittsburgh area. Right. Like, that's his whole thing. Like, yeah, I, I love steelworkers, and I love everything Pittsburgh. You know, dude, how often does it happen when you have the politicians try to glom on either to entertainment or sports, oh. and it just goes so badly? Yeah, it's, it's no good. Can I hear that again? Yeah. And the Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. No. No. Okay, all right, now, see, I'm doing a mind trip with myself. Did he mean to say the Eagles are, he wouldn't say Steelers? He was ahead of you, or he just tried to say, who knows? You don't know. <laughs> In the end, that's just sad, man. Yeah. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Biggest story of the day would be what? Uh, biggest story of the day, actually, it's something that we've got coming up, I think, uh, is that apparently Biden passing the Inflation Reduction Act means that hurricanes will be prevented this year. Yeah, this is odd. It's, you know, we're looking at the hurricane that's probably going to hit Florida in a couple days, right? And the preparations are going on right now. Green Jean-Pierre talking about that, saying, well, it's going to be so much better because everything that we've done. What in the world does that mean? Yeah. We will try to figure that out. And then you have a clip that I can't wait to hear. You've talked about this documentary called Deconstructing Karen being one of the nuttiest things ever. Yes, it is insane. I can't wait to hear it. Coming up right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Okay, a lot of talk about hurricane that might hit Florida in a couple of days. Sandbags near Tampa, all up and down that coast. Mm -hmm. And I'm just waiting for legacy media. Whatever happens. I mean, we're still a few days away. It's going to be DeSantis' fault. It's going to be on him. Oh, probably, even though, I mean, in some parts they're talking about evacuating, things like that. But it's going to be DeSantis' fault, probably Trump's fault, probably all Republicans' fault, really, because Democrats have this idea that you can control the weather by spending a bunch of money. Well, they can, apparently, because, well, things are better now because of the Biden administration and how they've been uh, fighting climate change, apparently. Uh, That's at least according to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Okay, I'll just play you the clip, and then, I mean, you come from a news background. You can help me understand it, David. 
Right. Okay. And it is one of the most the most historic investment to fight climate change. As we are talking about extreme weather, I've gotten multiple questions on Puerto Rico and what the people people of Puerto Rico, our brothers and sisters, are going through. Uh, what what may happen in this hurricane season? A lot of that is be, is going to uh, be helped uh, by the work that this president has done, bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, again the Inflation Reduction Act. So a lot that's going to happen in a few days has been helped by what they've already done um i'm not really sure i looked it up to see like was there increased fema funding there was increased fema funding but not for disaster relief it was uh fema can what is it It authorizes fema to provide financial assistance for low carbon building materials but Mm. Hey, man. A lot of that is is going to uh, be helped uh, by the work that this president has done, bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, again, the Inflation Reduction Act. By by all those things, uh-huh. okay, it's it's going to be by, better. By the Infrastructure Act that you got projects that have been greenlit but not really broken ground on. I'm not really sure because this stuff takes time. I mean, obviously. Uh, I, I'm not but they're really... reducing the power of hurricanes. But How? Well, stop with all your questions. You know, every time, every time they talk about uh, you know climate change and and more extreme weather events, more extreme hurricanes and whatnot, I feel it's a it's like my duty to say that you know Noah the, the this is they track these things, yes, uh, and they're not at all climate change deniers and at all, but they actually even say that there is no strong evidence that hurricanes have gotten more frequent or stronger. Hey, 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 hey those were rogue employees the, at NOAA. That's on their website. The, the rogue They're, people hacked the website. I mean, when, when you talk about things like uh, Hurricane Katrina and what that did to New Orleans, it, that was an infrastructure issue. That was not... Just because of a powerful torn or a powerful hurricane, when you look at Hurricane Harvey, and I mean, like my dad and stepmom wound up on their roof for several hours waiting for rescue there in Houston because of Hurricane Harvey. That wasn't necessarily a stronger storm; it was that it dumped a lot of rain, and Houston has grown a lot, and that means a lot of green spaces that would be able to absorb some moisture have been paved mm-hmm. over. It's an urban design flaw. That is to blame, and 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 yet you know every time you hear you know hurricane hits some big city, oh this is because of climate change. Well, that that's not actually accurate. Well, but if you but if you say that in in mixed company, you wind up having to duck because people throw things at you. Well, yeah, climate denier, <laughs> not a climate change denier. I know it's just, but you have I to know. you know you got to speak truth. Exactly. And, man, we've said this I don't know how many times. Yeah, it's, what, a degree and a half over, was it 100 years? Forget mm-hmm. exactly what it was. So, yeah, okay. But as an example, you ever heard of a book called The Boys in the Boat? And it's about the 1936 Olympic row team that was mm-hmm. from the state of Washington? Okay. I had heard this is one of the great sports books of our time. So I'm maybe a third of the way through it. And it talks about, in 1934... Like record heat. It was above 100 degrees for I forget how many days in a row in yeah. Chicago, in St. Louis, all over the place. And all I could think was, if that happened now, oh my gosh, people would be losing it. Well, you're, you know, think the, about what the media would do with that. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, they talked about We kind of got a, a, an idea, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had the report from the Today Show a few weeks ago when there was massive flooding in Dallas-Fort Worth. And mm-hmm. they just said it so casually offhand, ma- historic flooding due to climate change. Like, right. No, climate change is, climate is not the weather. That's not how any of this works. And to your point about, you know, record heat waves and droughts, brought this up before. Uh, if you read the history of the fall of the uh, Egyptian Empire, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the major contributions to that was a drought that lasted 300 years. You're talking about thousands of years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, you had all those people using oil <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah. See? <laughs> That's what happened. It was, <laughs> was ExxonMobil Cairo at the time, yes. Yes, but luckily there were children at the time that said, how dare you, and then they changed their ways, and then we did it all over again. <laughs> well, yeah, they, you know, you're know, you getting into the Dust Bowl in the 30s and all that stuff. Yeah. It's crazy, you know, to your point. By the way, before we moved totally off of DeSantis in Florida and even Trump, so, you know, Maggie Haberman, who is a columnist with the failing New York Times, is putting out a book about mm-hmm. Trump, right? So not surprised by that. I am surprised that Trump interviewed with her three times after he was president for the book. Yeah. Are you surprised by that? They've had a weird relationship for years. I mean, she was, you know, one of the people that had apparently a limitless amount of sources. And I do wonder how many of the sources were actually Trump behind the scenes talking to him or talking to her. I mean, and so he, he goes after her. And has gone after her for years yes. when there's negative reporting, but he still sits down with her because he likes her. It's this, it's a very strange dynamic. It really is. So it's not a surprise that apparently in this book he rips the crap out of Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Ron DeSantis, apparently he takes jabs at DeSantis, calling him an opportunist and insulting him over his weight. Okay. Which I find very curious. Yeah. I mean, Don, you know I like you, all right? But uh oh, uh, you're you're not rocking a 32 inch waist either, okay? <laughs> but yeah, David. <laughs> Sorry, man, you are kind of a hefty guy. David, <laughs> I am too. Okay, we're in the fat guy club. All right, it's all right. Uh, if if you had to say one was. Like more overweight than another, who would it be? Um, between the two, I, I, yeah, it, it would probably be the Trumpster, David. <laughs> I think most people would I say think that. Some of that's like body type. Like I, I, I think uh, DeSantis tends to have he has like broader shoulders, so he hides it a little bit better. Yeah, but yeah, if he does launch a national campaign, he is going to have to trim down a little. I, I'm I'm not saying it'll affect my vote one way or the other, but that that stuff does matter in politics. You'd say in DeSantis would DeSantis. have to trim it. Yeah, I it's something I guess I just had not noticed. Now I'm now I'm gonna have my eyes out for that. Just interesting. This book is coming out. Okay, other things. Um, Gavin Newsom, you know he's going to run for president. Yeah, he's already out there, effectively in some ways running. And what is he talking about, yeah. MAGA, now? Oh, well, Trump supporters just need a hug. 
That's, that's according to Gavin Newsom. He was talking about the distinction between conservative voters and MAGA Republicans at the uh, Texas Tribune Festival. Uh, and he says it's because of a right-wing media bubble. And we just have to break them out of that bubble. They've been tricked. Oh, my goodness. This is rich. And I'm empathetic. I get why people believe this stuff. They're not deplorable. The people promoting the BS are. I mean, I mean this. When I debate my father-in-law, who is extraordinarily successful, extraordinarily successful man, incredible father, unbelievable grandfather. We get it. A good environmentalist. It, oh, goodness gracious. Whatever. And I wonder where that, Ken, where does this come from? And he shows me, I, and now I get it. I, now it's harder for me to criticize your judgment on the basis of the facts that are presented in evidence in this bubble that you're in. What facts? So the deeper question is how the hell do we get out of these bubbles and how segregated we become in terms of our media choices and decisions. And I think about this all the time because at the end of the day, there's this quest we're all on for belonging. Mm -hmm. We all want to be loved. We all need to love. Okay. As an evil <laughs> politician, that's a master stroke. As a human being, that's despicable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what he just did there. We all need to be loved. I don't need to be loved by any political movement or politician. I don't nope. need that. I, you know, I don't know anyone who does. I don't know anyone who wakes up and says, uh, "Man, I just, I really just need Donald Trump to read me bedtime stories, <laughs> or Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I need a hug." No, no, it's not that, dude. Come on. What facts are you talking about? Can we really talk about climate change? Can we talk about the border? Can we talk about the economy? I mean, all these different things. And what are facts? Present both sides. Oh, I just, they just need a hug. What a jag that guy is. <laughs> Can't accept right. facts, says, says, says the political party that thinks that men can get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. Deconstructing Karen. You've talked about this, David. You Dude. said it's one of the craziest documentaries oh my ever made. We, we, ah, geez. Okay. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation put together a documentary that's one of the most insane things ever produced. And I think it's personally, I think it's hilarious. It's called okay. Deconstructing Karen. It follows the two women behind this thing called Race to Dinner. We've talked about this before on the show. It's basically where affluent white women pay black people to call them racist at a dinner party. Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Unreal. <laughs> the they're woman, doing the work. Yeah. The women who founded it are uh, Sarah Rao and Regina Jackson. And in this clip, Sarah tells a story about how she got into an Uber once. And the driver, who was also black, I, I think she's Indian, actually, but she refers to herself as a black woman. I'm not sure how any of that works. But <laughs> uh, And the driver said, well, if we get pulled over, just put your hands up so the cop doesn't shoot us. I'm sure that definitely happened, right? Uh, and the white women were shocked at hearing that story. Being shocked at hearing that story? Well, that's racist. What? This I'm is shocked because it wouldn't happen. <laughs> All right, I'll play the clip. I want to ask also to stop acting shocked. So part of white feminism is, is acting so surprised when it we tell you. But it is. Why are you telling us not to act the way that we act? If it is surprising. Because to that me, that is surprising. White, that upholds white supremacy. So what I'm saying, yeah. I'm asking all of you that when we express to you, and I'm not just talking about Regina and I, because when this dinner is over, like this is a blip, right? You go back into the world. And when people of color trust you enough to tell you their story, believe us. 
without expressing shock, because when you express shock, it pushes you away from the blame. Oh my gosh! <laughs> there, there's like another 45 seconds yeah. to this clip. Okay, you, all right, we got to hear the rest of this. All right. So you tell someone a story that you can't believe, okay? But don't express shock. Right. Because that's furthering white supremacy. Holy mackerel, this is some brainwashing. More of that in the news on <laughs> Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. David Van Camp, Millennial. And the sexy baby boomer, Scott Robbins, is out today, back tomorrow. David, you were talking about this documentary called Reconstructing Karen, yeah. or Deconstructing Karen. Um, and this is about race. Yes. So uh, it, it, it's the two women behind Race to Dinner, which is where affluent white women pay uh, people of color to come in and call them racist for a couple hours. Incredible grift. Incredible con. I, um, tip of the cap. I mean, it, it just it, you got some dope who wants to do the work, and, well, you're making money off of it. And that's, that's yes. what it is. So uh, in this, you've got uh, the people who are leading this struggle session telling a story about how she got into an Uber one time, and the driver who was black said if they got pulled over, she just needs to put her hands up so the cop doesn't shoot her. I'm sure that happened. And apparently... <laughs> If you are shocked by that, which the women at this dinner were, they said, oh, my gosh, really? Well, that's racist, too. And that's where we left off. Yeah. So the rest of the story. That makes me very angry because I don't look at that. What? I was born in 1950. You know what I expect of white women? Not a damn thing. Nothing. I expect nothing of you because you have never given me anything. I can't trust you, okay? But how can we come together when you say something like, I will never trust a white woman? If we had a really hard-to-hard talk, you said you would never trust me? Well, I would have to see. You know, out, out of all your years in life, mm -hmm. you've never trusted a white woman. Well, let me put it this way. The ones I have trusted have come back to... Disappoint you. Disappoint me. Okay. <laughs> So you're bad at making friends then. I mean, I don't know. If, if, if I were in a position where I could fleece white women for all they're worth to just sit there and insult them like that, I would be thanking God for white women. <laughs> but part of them is to make them feel like crap. Right. So you need to continue to do that. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Why are your feelings more important than the reality of the violence of our lives. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Your feelings? Wait a second. The, the other thing that woman said is, I, you've never given me anything. Yeah. Does that mean for me to like you or trust you, you have to give me something? Yes. Well, no, no, no. It's just for, apparently it's for black women exclusively. That if you see a black woman on the street, you just need to, like, I don't know, give her like 50 bucks or something. Just, hey, I'm, I'm doing the work. Here you go. Here's, here's money. I don't know. I, I don't know why you're entitled to anything from anybody, regardless of what your gender or your skin color is. You're not entitled oh to gosh. anything. I don't have to do squat for you. Oh, my gosh. You know what, man? There, there are times it's so weird the way things are right now.
It wasn't that long ago, and this has happened to me a few different times, and I say the same thing every time. If you hold, if you open the door and there's someone behind you, you hold the door. Black lady. And she's like, oh, thanks. And I said, well, my mom would be really disappointed. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Martin, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins, out today, back tomorrow. Okay, a lot to get to. You have a new hero, David? Uh, yeah, well, you know, again, I, I don't know uh, a whole lot about Italian politics. Okay. But this is a big deal because of what is happening all over the world. We talk a lot about the World Economic Forum, you know, the and, and these far-left... Uh, leaders who are wanting to sort of form a world government. You know, some people like the word globalist. and uh, Great reset. Yeah, I, I think, you know, really you're talking about the fundamentals of communism, about forming a singular world government, and who cares yeah. who dies and starves to death or whatever as a result of it. But you're seeing a massive backlash. You're seeing it in the Netherlands. You're seeing it in Sweden. You're seeing it in, uh, in uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, all over the place where we have these, you know, climate goals and whatnot, people are realizing what that means. Yeah, the people are going to starve because of what they've done to the farmers. Yes. And, and among other things, about total control over your movements, mm -hmm. over who you are, stripping away your identity. So in Italy, it's being des described as the far right is taking over. Uh, <laughs> Because the people have rejected things like World Economic Forum uh, climate plans. They've rejected COVID lockdowns and mandates, where Italy was very, very, very aggressive with that stuff. Yep. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Georgia Maloney is about to be uh, Italy's first female prime minister. And liberal leaders around the world are freaking out about it if you watch American, what do you mean that's a glass ceiling bro yeah i mean it, dude if you watch right now if you watch american media and whenever they talk about this lady they melt down they say oh she's a fascist and all of it like okay hold on a second and well they always do that right. because they're afraid of losing power yeah and, and they say well her party has uh, uh you know distant ties to uh mussolini's fascism and whatnot and it's like in name only and if you're going down that road, I don't think the Democrats want that here in the United States because, well, the Democrats went to war to defend slavery. If we're going <laughs> that's, back, that's true. I mean, if you're so true, if you're looking at it, it's true. I mean, if you're if you're actually looking at you know the name of of a political movement and party and saying that disqualifies somebody, Democrats need to tread very lightly on that because they're not going to like uh, what history will show about people in the past who called themselves Democrats. But I, 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 there's a speech that's making the round, I believe it was from over the weekend, where it was like a, a big global families conference, okay. where she talked about what her vision was, and this is what freaks them out so much. I, just, I have a, part of it transcribed, if, you, if you'll humor me here. Yes, I want to hear it, uh, because so I want to hear what's so scary to media, because it seems like media in all these different countries are in lockstep with one another, yeah. with the same message. Yeah. 
Uh, she says, why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening to the you know, World Economic Forum and whatnot? There's a single answer to all these questions because they define us. It's our identity because everything that defines us as individuals is now an enemy to power brokers around the world. Well said. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves, so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. Yep. I can't define myself. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I'm only a number... When I no longer have any identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. And that's why we inspire so much fear from them, because we don't want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. G.K. G.K. Chester. Go ahead. I'm just because there's so much talk about global banking being such a huge part of that. And it's true. And that's who she really seems to be talking out against. Okay, go ahead. Uh, G.K. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago, fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. That time has arrived. We're ready. Basically saying you're going to have to defend what reality is. Yep. Oh, man, that is fantastic. And the fact that everybody is panicked about her. Yes. Makes me... Honestly, it tells me everything I need to know. All of the worst people hate this lady's guts. And so, you know what? God bless her. I hope that... I hope that... Uh, she has a very successful tenure as prime minister. You know, man. Okay, we'll switch gears to the United States. And I think this is related because I happen to see this little piece of video of Keisha Lance Bottoms. If you remember, she used to be the mayor of Atlanta. Yeah. Failed mm-hmm. miserably in a number of different ways. But now she's one of Biden's advisors. Okay. And so she's making the rounds this weekend on TV. Dude, the message against MAGA Republicans sounds so desperate here. Okay, see if you can make sense of this all. And I think how it's related to what you just talked about is that you have coordinated efforts to basically stomp down any sort of movement that is out for just truth and common sense. Um, This is what she said over the weekend. A MAGA Republican agenda that gives no consideration to the rule of law, that has no respect for a woman's right to choose, that wants to defund the FBI. Okay, hold on a second. That's right to choose. Is she talking about the 15-week ban from Lindsey Graham? Is that what she's getting at there? I, dude, I don't know. They just throw it out there. Like so many times you hear Democratic leaders say an abortion ban without describing what Lindsey Graham's proposal is, which is not a total right. abortion ban. No, it is not. Or voting rights. What are you talking about? 
That's just an outright lie. There is a MAGA Republican agenda that thought that it was okay to attack our nation's capital. You've said this so many times, and it's true. Most Republicans say, whoa, the protest was fine. Going into the Capitol was a mistake, and especially yeah. the people that started assaulting cops. No, no one was down with that. Yeah. That's an outright lie. Uh, on January 6th. Well, I think it will be important for all of us who care about the United States of America to call out what we see. And what we see, again, with this MAGA Republican <laughs> agenda is an effort to disrupt our democracy. So whether it be through November... How? They never say disrupt democracy, fight against democracy. What are you talking about? And beyond November, I think it will always be important to call out any effort there is to destroy, essentially destroy the United States of America. Then it is important for all. What are you talking about? (laughs) It never says just destroy democracy. This is destroy the United States. Important for all of us, not just the president, not just me. For all of us to call it out for what it is. It is a danger to our democracy. It is a danger to our way of life. It's splitting people apart. Yeah. It's having Americans look at each other as the enemy. That's what it comes down to. That's what the Democrats keep driving toward. That's kind of spooky to me because it's it's never talked about. what, What exactly are you talking about? This fight against democracy. It just doesn't make any sense. Goodness gracious. Did you see the story in Arizona? The woman there that smuggled hundreds of illegal immigrants across the border for 15 grand each? Golly. Tania Hernandez, she's 24. I don't know if you've seen her mugshot. When you see her, you're like, she's capable of doing this? Really? (laughs) I'm just calling it as I see it. You're like, oh my gosh, she smuggled between 80 and 100 migrants a month into the country for six months before she was arrested the other day. Wow. Busted during a traffic stop while transporting a Guatemalan national. Holy smokes. And then you wonder, how many people are doing this? Uh, it's big business, man. And it is. You know, the, the thing is with, with people like this, a lot of times it starts very small. You know, it starts with, hey, just go south of the border and, and grab this, you know, grab this little kid. Like, a lot of times it's a baby even. And they do that. They get the money, whatever network that they've been tied into. And then through either the promise of more cash or coercion and threats, they wind up taking a few more and a few more and a few more. And then suddenly you realize that this person is now a full-blown human trafficker. Dude, 15,000. That's as much as. Yeah. So what would you say the going rate? 10 grand? Right. Something like that? It's like a million dollars in six months. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Okay. You know, thinking about how we could unite as Americans, maybe sometimes it can happen with a song. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe maybe a protest song from a long time ago. Okay. Maybe it could be re-recorded okay. by a relevant artist of, of today. Oh, no. What? You don't trust me on this? I'm, I'm, I'm gripping here. Come on, man. You know the Buffalo Springfield classic for what it's worth. Oh, no. Isn't it time for that to be covered? Oh, no. By Stevie Nicks? Oh, no. Get yourself ready, big boy. What a feel day for the heat. This isn't a comedy number. (laughs) 
We're bringing Americans together, David. Uh-huh. How dare you yeah. laugh and snicker? I'm sorry, but it just it it, it sounds like uh, you know, mini me rest in peace. Uh, took a hit off of a helium balloon and started singing. It's something, isn't it? I almost feel bad doing this. <laughs> but as I'm playing it, I, I feel like I have to remix it in some sort of way. What a feeling for the heat. Sister and brethren. Dude. I'm sorry. We're here to help, not to hurt. It's time to not do that anymore, yeah. okay? Yeah, that's 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 not just, good. Just count your money and Yeah, I think that's wow. Okay. But they, thanks for the effort. See you next. Appreciate that. We'll go back and listen to rumors again. Uh Remember those union members from the police department fired over the VAX mandate? There's an update. Next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today, back tomorrow. Okay, news update, David Van Camp. Yeah, well, uh, White House Press Secretary Kareem Jean-Pierre Mellencamp. Uh, see, I'm doing that in honor of Scott Robbins. He's not here right now. Um, That's a nice tribute. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she uh, was asked about crime in major cities in America. Obviously, we've been dealing with a crime wave for the last couple of years. Yes. You know, you, you could talk about COVID lockdowns and economic insecurity, but boy, that summer of love really, uh, really did the trick there. Okay. Should I just roll this? Uh, yeah, sure. Here we go. Does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? It is not, it is not a, um, it is not a yes or no question. It is very much yeah, it a is. question of what has he done? That's how we see the question is what has he done to make sure that cities, and it doesn't matter if it's a big city or a small city. It doesn't matter if it's in a red state or a blue state. What matters is that we have the funding and we have done the work, put the policy forward uh, to make sure that these cities, whether it's big or small, have what they need. Um, no. Yeah. No. That's not even close. That's a joke. Yeah, I mean, the question of, is it a yes or no question? Well, I, I think you can say it depends on what city you're talking about and what part of what city you're talking about. Sure. I mean, there are parts of Seattle that are perfectly safe. Same thing for mm -hmm. Portland. Yes. But the question is, overall, do you have a good feeling about going to places you used to go to? Uh, and in a place like Portland, the answer is no for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to go downtown anymore. No, they do not. And How about for the people that you claim to represent so much, do you feel okay walking through those neighborhoods? Right. Because you should get a hero's welcome there. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to because no. it's not safe there. You know, this whole thing, when you hear the talking points from the left talking about, you know, the MAGA Republicans and not respecting the rule of law. 
rule of law and are okay with rioting. What are you talking about? You think back to 2020, and we already know this, but you talk about inciting a riot. What would have happened when the whole George Floyd story came out if leaders on the left, governors, mayors, the media, all said, hey, this looks really bad, the video we have, but there is a lot we don't know. And you start asking the questions. Is there more to the video that we haven't seen yet? Is it possible that this person was on fentanyl? Because obviously they were on something you could tell from the interview. Let's just calm ourselves down before we go and riot and loot and go crazy. They didn't do that. They stoked the flames. They fanned them. And they're, in my mind, they're partly responsible for everything oh, yeah. that went down. Well, yeah, and a lot of people were afraid to speak out because oh, yeah. they thought it would be uh, it would help Donald Trump politically. I mean, they, they let cities burn, and they, they let people get killed, literally killed, for a political point, basically. Yes, they did. And then you switch gears. Let's talk about COVID for a second. This party... And Biden talking about mandates. Got to have the vaccine mandates. If you don't want the vaccine, you're a denier. You're the reason we can't recover because you won't get vaccinated. Yeah. And what do you find out? Well, it doesn't stop you from getting it. It doesn't stop you from spreading it. The risk of getting the vaccine is much higher than they ever let on. We all know this now. Mm -hmm. So there's a judge that has ordered the New York uh, Police Department and the union members that were fired over the mandate, be reinstated. How many are going to come back to their jobs? Yeah. We'll wait and see. We also got to believe there's going to be some lawsuits there. Well, oh, we're there really sorry to have that mandate. Really sorry. Come back now to your job. We need you. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Big story of the day is, is uh, there just one or a couple? There, there are a few. I mean, like we've been talking about, the all-out assault on reality continues by talking about the MAGA Republican threat <laughs> and how this is this dangerous thing that's happening right now in spite of all evidence to the contrary or most evidence to the contrary. Also, Corrine Jean-Pierre uh, apparently is uh, giving the message that the White House is not planning on talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as a hurricane is bearing down on his state. Petty politics at play here, folks. Okay, so White House didn't want to talk to any of these governors and don't even want to talk to DeSantis about the hurricane. Oh, I can't wait to hear that update. And much more coming up right here. Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today, and he will be back tomorrow. Can't wait to hear his take on a lot of this stuff going on. But he said, did he just need a day? No, this was already planned. Yeah. He's, he's fine. Scott, Yeah, I miss you. Yeah, Casey, he'll be there tomorrow. 
Okay, news update, David Van Camp. Oh, well, so you got this hurricane, uh, Ian, that's bearing down on Florida right now, and preparations mm-hmm. are underway. You got the sandbags out. You got some areas uh, being evacuated ahead of this storm. Uh, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, was asked whether or not uh, Joe Biden would be contacting state officials in Florida during this crisis because, after all, uh, he didn't contact the governor of Mississippi during Jackson's water crisis. Oh, that's They're still right. reeling from, but, you know, but you know what? It, we all know why. It, you know, some people want to say it's because, well, there's a Republican governor or whatever. We all know it's because Joe Biden doesn't care about black people. <laughs> And Corrine Jean-Pierre says so. Yeah. Let's get to the audio. He didn't speak to the governor of Mississippi during the water crisis with Jackson. Thus and, far has not spoken to Governor DeSantis. And, so, and, and that's a perfect example, Kelly, when you mentioned the governor of Mississippi. They, you were right. They didn't speak. And we still were able to deliver uh, for the folks in Jackson and for the folks of Mississippi. You had our EPA administrator on the ground. You had FEMA administrator. Hold on a second. That wasn't solved right away. No. So what are you talking about? Well, we had these people there. It's still a problem. Yeah. Goodness gracious. On the ground, and not just them, but also uh, folks who work for those uh, for those two agencies. And you have the Army Corps of Engineers. And so we put the full the full uh, power of the administration. We surged resources on the ground uh, to make sure that we did everything that we can to help the people of Mississippi. This is the same. There is no difference here. We're going to do the same in Florida as we've done in other. Well, if you're going to do the same, that means you're not going to get it done. Right. People are going to be thirsty <laughs> yeah. for a while. Uh, in other states, as I mentioned, uh, Administrator Criswell will be here tomorrow. She is in Miami mm-hmm. uh, as we speak, uh, current as I speak currently, and uh, she'll be here and she will lay out what we, as an administration, is doing uh, oh. for uh, Florida and other and uh, other in other states like Alaska and any others that need our assistance at this time, and uh, and she'll lay that out and answer any questions that you all may have. So, oh man, if, if you're keeping score at home, if you are the family of a serial rapist who gets shot in the back by police officers like Jacob Blake, mm-hmm. Joe Biden will go and visit you. Correct. He'll send somebody to go and visit you. Yes. Uh, the vice president will be very vice proud of him. Yes, we'll go there and be very, very proud. Um, if a bunch of children are murdered in Uvalde, Texas, and they can use this to launch into some sort of gun control screed... The president will himself go to your town, mm-hmm. and he will speak to you and talk to parents for four hours. But if you have a major state that's, I don't know, uh, in the path of a, of a hurricane, he's got other people for that. If you've got people who don't have clean drinking water, he's got people for that. If you can't make it all about him, Joe Biden doesn't care about you. Right. Or if it doesn't politically line up, even right. though a car took out you know multiple people at a Christmas parade, you're not going to show up there. You don't have time for that, right? Because you can't make a political point there, right? Golly, man, you know, <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about this anymore. I'm sitting here thinking about it wasn't always this way. But I do remember when Chris Christie and it was Big O. After the hurricane in Jersey. Yeah. And there were the resources, and there was the photo op, and there may have been a hug. Oh, there was. Oh, yeah. I thought there was. I thought my memory wasn't betraying me there. 
And I thought that was, you know, maybe a little much. But at least, okay, in a time of crisis where Americans, let's get something done here. Yeah. Oh, that's gone. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely gone. But it, I guess it's hard to actually provide services to a state that has a governor that you think is a threat to democracy. Right. In the United States. Which, again, is just a joke in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Saw this piece about the midterms, man. It really does seem that the Democrats are in far bigger trouble than the media has let on when you're talking about the issues and what is most important to Americans. Yeah. Because the one issue where the Democrats have seen some gains has been abortion, Mm -hmm. especially with the way media has portrayed that. But the biggest issues, economy, education in schools, inflation, crime, I mean, GOP is far ahead of Democrats. And even when it comes to immigration. So, again, abortion right now is the fifth most important issue. When you think about it, for so many people, you're not even in that age group where it's a big deal. Right. You know, not to mention, you can get into 15 weeks, and when is it okay for the left to say, yeah, we want to put the ban there. We don't want to go into the third trimester. They won't do it. Yeah. And they don't They don't even want to have that conversation. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk that, you know, like in Pennsylvania, for example, Dr. Oz is basically just going to lose and all that. And I, I, I don't know that. I, I think it is kind of more in toss-up territory than people actually think. Because right now, I mean, the real clear politics average of that has Fetterman with a 4.2 percentage lead. That's a that's an average of the polls that are available. Um, but, you know, at the same time, neither candidate is getting over 50% in polling. So when you're leading at 49.2 in the polls, as Fetterman is, boy, that 4.2 spread doesn't seem like it matters a whole lot. Yeah, and do you remember? And tell me if I if I just had the wrong takeaway a few months back. The way media was making it sound was that Herschel Walker had no chance yeah. to win the Senate seat. Oh, totally. In yeah. Georgia against Warnock. Yeah. And now that thing's flipped. Oh, yeah. But a couple months ago, it was like, oh, yeah, Herschel Walker, he screwed there. That's, it's just not yeah. going to happen for him. So it's that same projection you get every election cycle where the media is going to play something a certain way just to sort of excite the base. Yeah. You've seen that again and again. You probably saw that Rihanna is headlining the 2023 Super Bowl halftime show. Okay. Are we past the point where we care? I, personally, I am because I, I just, I'm usually not, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm just not usually interested in the halftime show, no matter who's performing. I used to be, but I'm with you now. It's like it's probably going to be someone that I don't really care for. Yeah. And if it's somebody good, okay, I'll kind of watch. But if not, I don't care. Not, I just probably won't pay much attention to it. Yeah, the, the only Super Bowl show that I, I remember watching and being blown away was uh, Bruno Mars. I was not good. expecting it, and I thought that was a great show. I thought that was a good show, too. I remember Robbins at the time saying they, they should just have that dude do it every year. Yeah. And then bring you know other people to come up and jam with him or whatever. Yeah. Um, but apparently Taylor Swift turned it down. She was first choice. Uh-oh, that sounds problematic. Well, that's very problematic. Who cares? And then I also saw this talking about football. The Pro Bowl? Yeah. It's going to be like flag football? 
No longer tackled, and I understand the players yeah. don't want to get hurt. It's meaningless. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, well, if you want to make it meaningful, especially some of these guys, especially, you know, if you're talking about on the line, what's the average career of an NFL player? 3.2 years? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's $5 million bucks. everybody that wins. <laughs> All of a sudden, make it worth something yeah. to these guys. But, you know, most of us don't care about the Pro Bowl. Oh, I, I think they should just goose it up and, and make it more into a skills competition. I think that's what else. they're going to try to yeah. do. So we'll see. There was one other thing, real quick, you know, just talking about sports that happened over the weekend. And I have a question about this. And the reason I bring it up is something that you said. This was before the show today, David. Yeah. You were surprised how happy you were for Albert Pujols hitting his 700th home yeah, run. I, I was. And I, it's like I'm not an Albert Pujols fanboy. I'm not a fan of the Cardinals. But there was something really nice about seeing him get that number 700, even if it was kind of, you know, kind of a gimme. Okay. I'm not going to get into whether he hit it. He did hit it. He got a home run. I mean, that's it. But he's hit 700 of them. Yeah. So why do you feel good about it? And why do you think it felt good for so many people across the country? I, because I, you got that vibe, and I'm trying to figure out why. I think it's because he's not a hateable figure in sports, relatively controversy-free. I mean, I know when he left the Cardinals a few years ago, that was a big deal. You know, there was controversy going back and forth about whether or not, you know, he betrayed the city of St. Louis or whatever. But... You know, I, I think it's just because he's been there for so long, for so many years playing in Major League Baseball, and it's just been sort of the, the just the consummate professional for so long. And people like that. Not a flashy player necessarily or hasn't been in a while, but... Yeah, he, I, yeah. I think, okay, and this might be getting too sentimental. Because I wonder, first of all, if you're a fan of the Angels, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, it'd been nice to see a few more of those when he was here, right? That sort of thing, because he had some, you know, a few lean years yeah. there. But it is this sort of story of coming home, and then you know, midway through the year, it didn't look like there was any way he was going to get to seven hundred, and then he caught fire. Yeah, and it was like, you know, it's this nice story coming back home. The fans, you know, I don't think were ever really after the first couple of years, were holding it against him. He was always welcome back yeah. into St. Louis, that sort of thing. But to see this has been pretty cool for just for baseball, I think, in general. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I we're also, all looking for a nice story yeah. with the way the world is right now. Well, I also like it because it looks like he really is on, on pace to, to hit better than 250, which means I win some money from Scott Robbins, the baseball guy on the show. That was the other thing. When that bet happened at the beginning of the year, when Robbins was saying, the Cardinals, I mean, it's nice. It's sort of a sideshow. You know, have this old guy that really can't play anymore come back into St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Scott's not here for the trifecta today, so that would be one of the takes. Because Robbins, of all people, has enjoyed seeing him do well. And he's going to lose the bet to you. Yep. Because he is actually really doing well this year. All right, we got to get to a news update. And, of course, Nimrod's in the news. Straight ahead, right here.
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. News update, David Van Camp. You know, we keep hearing uh, the horror stories about uh, children going in for surgeries to make them a different gender. Oh, goodness, They, yes. they call it euphemistically top surgery for girls. That means a double mastectomy. Voluntary, healthy, physically healthy child mm-hmm. is taken to a surgeon and has her breasts surgically removed. For no reason other than they've been brainwashed on TikTok. That this is the way to feel accepted. It's a social contagion. We keep hearing, well, it's not really happening, right? Uh, It's rare, right? Well, the Uh, first story that I can remember really talking about was the Boston Children's Hospital, that it was happening. And then, well, no, we don't do that for that age. Well, you said on the phone that you did, and there's the back and forth, and then they do the same thing they do every time. We're getting death threats. Ah! Yeah. New York Times has a story where now I guess the uh, the narrative has shifted into, yeah, we're doing it. It's a good thing. New York oh. Times says more trans teens are choosing top surgery. Um, it, the whole article reads like a horror show, man, because one of the people featured is this uh, woman named uh, Dr. Gallagher. She's in Miami. Uh, she has, I think I can say this on the air, the catchphrase on TikTok that she has is called Yeet the Teat. Oh, boy. Which is disgusting. That yeah. this is horrible. This is scientific insp- experimentation on sick kids. Um, but most of her referrals, she does about 40 double mastectomies a month for teenagers. Oh, my goodness. Most of the referrals are from people who have seen her on TikTok. Yes, it's a social contagion, and it's freaking evil. 40 teens? Are you talking about under 18, or that just could be anywhere from, you know, 13, 15, to 19? Sorry, she says, yeah, she does top surgeries on about 40 patients a month, and a few of them are, okay. are under 18. Younger patients are usually at least 15, though she has operated on one 13-year-old and one 14-year-old. Unreal. Um, you should be put in jail. Yeah. Yeah, that it, this is this is horrible, and <laughs> I, I mean, they say here's how the New York Times article reads: uh, There are no official statistics on how many minors receive top surgeries each year. The New York Times surveyed leading pediatric gender clinics across the country. Uh, there were 11 clinics they talked to that carried out a couple hundred procedures on minors in 2021, and they had long waiting lists. Um, let's see. Oh, one hospital, Kaiser Permanente, Oakland, carried out about 70 top surgeries in 2019. That's removing the breasts of a physically healthy teenage girl. Wow. This is 70 top surgeries on teenagers aged 13 to 18. You know how many they had less than 10 years ago? Zero. Five. Wow. Five in 2013, and now it's 70. And there are still people denying that this is a social contagion. Well, they're looking at legislation again in Tennessee and different states. They need to. Yeah. You have well, it was, to. Matt Walsh from Daily Wire, you know, it was Vanderbilt. It's their backyard. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we should check into this. And sure enough, it was happening. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the video where they're talking about, yeah, we can make so much money doing this. Yeah. It, it, it more than pays for itself. 
Disgusting. All right, let's get to number out to the news. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. We go to New York. 52-year-old Harold Tyler runs out of gas in front of the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office the other day. Hmm. Police asked if he was okay. So yeah, I'm just waiting on a friend to bring me some gas. Cops were a little suspicious, though, because they ran his info and found that he had a revoked license and the pickup truck was unregistered with switch plates. Hmm. Hmm. Police were also alerted that Harold was wanted for stealing around $2,000 worth of metal from a Department of Transportation yard nearby. So he was charged right there with felony grand larceny and was denied bail because he has five previous felony convictions. And you forgot to get gas? No, gas prices are up there. And this isn't Nimrod, but I've talked about Singapore before. They keep things in line. Restaurant there has a $10 screaming child surcharge. They've noticed that noise complaints have gone down (laughs) since instilling. And that's Nimrod's.